We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. This being Monday, we turn to Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com. Are you a coffee drinker, Brian? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. I am not. You're not? No, I, I'm a pop drinker, sadly. Like Mountain Dew? Are you Mountain like Dew. heavy Mountain yeah, you, Dew? Okay. That's you like went right for my sweet spot. I was going to yeah. say, non coffee drinkers, I would have to say, like, I think if you did a poll, you'd have like a good strong 90%. No coffee, Mountain Dew, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So it, it started when I was coaching. Okay. You know, because just the, the long hours and everything, it was just like I needed to pick me up. And I don't do energy drinks and I don't do coffee. Yeah. So okay. I'm just curious because it's my addiction of choice. Yep. I'm, you know, I, I know the hours that you put in, you know, over there grinding things out and looking at film and all that different. And I know you, you know, you've got uh, some odd sleeping hours. And, yes. and so <laughs> I was just thinking about that. So, well, let's start. Let's start with Notre Dame. How about the defense? Fewer sacks and tackles for loss than the first couple games, but the longest play they allowed 32 yards instead of 60 plus. Is this closer to what you think we should expect from Marcus Freeman's defense? Yeah, they they were real close to to having that. Okay, this is exactly what they would be if they would have hit that corner fire. Uh, we're cl- on the the thirty. What was a thirty one yard run? Yeah, that would have been like okay, it's perfect. It's exactly what they did. You know, so I, I think for me, you saw a defense that that backed off some of the disruptiveness because Purdue gets the ball out so quickly. You know, we, we talked about this on our channel last week. It's there, screens, quicks, crossers. And the few times that Notre Dame did blitz in the pass game, that's when they got beat. They'd hit a quick ball right behind it. Uh, you know, they'd take a shot uh, right down the field, all those type of things. And and that's where they got some of their big plays. You know, the 31-yard run was on a corner fire. The mm-hmm. cornerback makes a mistake, doesn't make the tackle, and the guy's off for 31 yards. They played more, like, okay, let's sit back, let's fly the ball. And to me, that's good coaching. That's a good game plan, good in-game adjustments. You know, Purdue had Notre Dame on its heels a little bit on that first series and a half. 
They made in-game adjustments against what I think is one of the best offensive play callers in college football and, and was, were able to dominate from a statistical and a point standpoint without having the big disruptions that we've seen in past games like tackles for loss and those type of things. Different look from the secondary. Brian Kelly talked today about flipping the corners. What did you think about what you saw there? Well, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to like it at first, but now I do. And the reason I liked it against Purdue is because Purdue is not really that team that says, hey, we're going to put our best guy into the boundary. A lot of times their best player was to the field, David Bell. You know, He was either in the slot or he's to the outside. They do a lot of things where they're going to throw a quick game to the slot and and uh, you know try to flood concepts and different things like that. So you put your rangier cornerback to the field and he's allowed to, to be more productive. And I thought you know, that put Cam Hart in a lot more matchups against David Bell, and David Bell didn't take over the game. You know, that was their guy. And they you know, he had seven catches for 62 yards before he unfortunately got knocked out of the game. So that was one of my keys to success in this game, Sean, was you have to have a David Bell plan. And Notre Dame had a great David Bell plan. And yeah. just, again, is a further testament to the job that this coaching staff did of the game plan going in and then being able to adapt and adjust on the fly during the game. Yeah, I mean, they held him – to basically half of his reception average. I think it was like 9.1 per catch. You take away the longest one, and you're talking about what? You know, probably around yeah. four or five yards Six per catches catch. yeah. for 30 yards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and that even that one catch was a heck of a catch. Right. You know, I mean, he, he had to make a, a really acrobatic catch to make it. So, uh, and, and, you know, look, I think I counted, they threw for 291 yards, which is about 53 yards below their season average coming in. And about 60 of those yards came on the last couple drives when Notre Dame was basically saying, hey, you want to dink and dunk and move down the field and run some clock, go for it. Uh, and, and so, I mean, it really was an impressive performance. And, they've, I mean, they've steadily gotten better and better each week on defense, and this was sort of, you know, their, their breakout performance. I tell you what, you know, I was playing that soundbite Brian, Brian Kelly had about Kyle Hamilton on that tackle that he made on fourth and one. When, when that receiver took that little jet sweep, I thought he had – the corner for sure mm -hmm. and then here comes Kyle Hamilton that's that's a pretty low percentage of guys in the country who are going to make that play no and that's what makes him special it, it really is he's he just closes so quickly but I'll tell you what Sean what, what we're not talking about enough on that play is the job Isaiah Pryor did taking on two blockers to force that 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 ball carrier to stretch even further he wanted to cut it up a lot sooner because mm -hmm. all he needed was a yard right I mean and and it was it was Myron Tungavaloa first, then Bo Bauer kind of eating up that cutback lane. Then it was Isaiah Pryor taking on two blockers to force that guy outside, which then allows Kyle Hamilton to do that All-American play that he did. So it's just an example of great team defense. Other than Kyle, I didn't think anyone had a great game. It was just everybody did their job really well. Yeah. And that's ultimately where you'd rather be as a defense. I'd rather have 11 guys playing real good football then three guys playing great football three guys that are like what are you doing and then two other guys are just kind of eh, okay that's what I thought was so good about this performance you know the linebackers were better in coverage I thought they had their best game I saw DJ Brown bounce bounce back after a really rough game against Florida State he had a good game the corners were solid for the most part the D-line was good the second lot you know second wave of defensive linemen they didn't have some of the big mistakes they've had in recent games that have given up big plays just across the board, everybody played good football, and then that allows a guy like Kyle Hamilton to have to, okay, now let me go do my thing since I don't have to kind of protect other people, and then he has the kind of game he had. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know who has been relatively quiet uh, so far on this defense? I mean, we're talking about J.D. Bertrand all the time. Drew White, you haven't really heard as much from him. What are you mm-hmm. seeing from him when you've watched these games back? You know, he was really up and down the first couple games. I, I thought he was super active in the first half of each of the first two games, and then the second half just not quite as decisive, not quite as productive. Uh, you know, was better against Toledo than he was Florida State. I thought this was his best game of the season. You know, the, the statistics weren't great, but he had some really money plays in this game, including I think it was the first drive of the game. Notre Dame bl- is blitzing. And they send that really good tight end they have up the seam route, and Drew comes from the mic position, gets all underneath that guy and completely takes him away. That's where they wanted to go. If Drew doesn't eat him up like that, they've got six on that play. And and I thought he did a really good job. He was much better in coverage. He was quicker reacting to guys going out in the flat. So even a couple times they were able to catch balls. Uh, he was able to be there. You know, it was a, a, a really impressive stat that we looked at this week, uh, Sean, when we were kind of breaking the game down. You know, Purdue completed 36 passes. 12 of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Wow. And another 10-plus were less than 10 yards down the field. So, I mean, they were just – I mean, there was just nowhere to go down the field, really, with with two exceptions in this game. And it was just a really, really impressive performance, which kind of puts the 66.7 completion percentage a little bit into context. Right. You know, they were 12 of 14 on balls that didn't get past the line of scrimmage. You take those away – you know, we're talking about 24 of like 40. That's not nearly as impressive. Mm-hmm, for sure. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com, the Sports Illustrated Notre Dame-based website. Jack Cohn, definitely not as accurate as we've seen, you know, from him the first couple of games. The dislocated finger from, from last week, how much do you think that that could have, you know, come into play with that? I think the only throw where I thought that might have been an issue was that deep end cut to 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 Joe Wilkins. Okay. Because that's the one ball he had to really muscle up and put some zip on. I mean, the, I, I, the deep balls, I don't think it impacts you as much and because it comes down to grip, Sean. And, you know, when you're throwing for touch and when you're throwing for, you know, down the field, you don't necessarily squeeze it quite as hard. When you've got to drive a 25-yard in cut, that's when you really got to muscle up. And when you muscle up as a quarterback, you're naturally going to tense your fingers up even more and get an even tighter grip. And I think that could have been one where maybe it would have impacted him. But I thought his feet were the bigger issue than 
than his release point, you know, not being consistent. Or I think if his hand would have been a bigger issue, we would have seen some some more balls that that either that were that would have sailed a little bit more. We'd have seen some more balls that that maybe came out a lot floppier, not as many spirals because he wouldn't have been able to have that grip. I thought the issues that he had on Saturday, for the most part, except for maybe that one throw, had to do more with his footwork than it did than it did anything that maybe was was being affected with his release point because of the finger. Tyler Buckner tweaked the hamstring. Brian Kelly says he thinks you know that they expect him to be able to go. If I mean, if he's with a hamstring, speed is his game. Yeah. You know, like how how do you what do you think about that? Is it worth it throwing him out there if you know if if he has even a a, a chance of of reaggravating that and making it a lingering thing? Not for me, no. I, I mean, you, you've got to make sure he's able to be there the whole season. I mean, and I think this, this is a game where this is a game where the ball's got to come out quick. I don't know if if you know running the ball to your to your freshman quarterback against this front seven is necessarily the game plan that that you need to have. I, I think when you're looking at, at how do you defeat this Wisconsin team, look if if you couldn't beat Toledo. And, and Purdue in the trenches, you're probably not going to all of a sudden become the 2020 O-line and beat Wisconsin in the trenches. Exactly. So what you have to do is you have to neutralize that and take advantage of the fact that you have a significant athleticism advantage on the perimeter. Spread the field out. Say, hey, look, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to stay in your 3-4 defense or are you going to sub out a nickel personnel? Because if you're going to stay in your 3-4 personnel, then we're just going to – we're just going to Avery Davis you and Braden Lindsey you and Michael Mayer you outside all right. day and Kevin Austin you outside all day and and get our running backs in the slot and spread the field out. You know, make them have to make a tough decision and I think that's the way that Notre Dame's going to need to attack them and it's very much to, that to me is very much a, a Jack Cohn game more so than it is a Tyler Buckner game based on where he is now. Now in the future Sean when Tyler's got the offense down pat it's an even more perfect game for him because you can he can throw, but he can also run draws and quarterback runs with that spread out look. But he's just not there yet where he can run the whole repertoire from a throwing standpoint is where was why I say right now it may not be the best game for him. But a year from now against this kind of defense with that kind of need to spread things out, his running would become a much bigger impact. But right now, they're not going to respect the spread field when Tyler Buckner's in the game. They're going to anticipate the run more. They did a good job, for the most part, against Karloftis uh, protecting. But, I mean, they still only averaged 3.5 yards per carry, and that was with Kyron Williams' 51-yard run thrown in there. So did, did you see improvements with the offensive line? What did you think from that group? I thought Karloftis still had a, 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 a good impact on Decent this game. Day, yeah. yeah, it just was more of a – he wasn't getting the sacks and those type of things, right. but they were having to commit so many resources to him that allowed other guys to be more impactful in the game. You know, I, I thought here's the big thing for me, and and one of the things we really hammered him on last week, Sean, was you got to at least play hard, and 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 they were getting out hit and out fought and all those type of things first two games. That that wasn't the case on Saturday. They battled their tails off against Purdue. They did, and the one the one thing that Brian Kelly said that I 100 percent said, okay, he's not giving me a line of fluff right there was when he talked about how they battled their butts off. He talked about Tosh Baker battling his butt off, and and they did. They fought hard, and that was a step in the right direction. Technically, in assignment correctness-wise, they were not any better. And in some ways, they were worse. But because they are talented, when they did come off hard, it allowed them to have some opportunities to make plays. You know, for all the struggles they had, they came out in the fourth quarter, and they needed a drive, and they you know pushed Purdue off the ball, and Kyron Williams was able to do Kyron Williams things. And 
And it's like, look, if you can at least do that, you'll be able to have some success because your running backs are so good mm -hmm. that it doesn't take you looking like the 2017 O-line or the 2020 O-line to open up enough room for Kyron Williams to go 51 <laughs> yards. You know, just, just, and this is the big thing. If they can just do their job, just do your, everybody get a body on a body. You don't have to look like Quentin Nelson or Mike McGlinchey. Just get a body on a body. Stop turning guys loose. Stop, you know, alter your technique, which is allowing teams to just take your big six, eight tackles and just drive them right into the court. But there was a play on Saturday, Sean, where the two DNs literally sandwiched Jack Cohn with the Notre Dame tackles. Right. They literally just drove the two tackles into the quarterback yep. before they could get it out of a hitch route. And I'm like, come on, this is Notre Dame. That's a fifth year senior and a former top 100 recruit who's now two years in your system. Like, that shouldn't be happening. So, but the, they were technical things. It was not a lack of, hey, are these kids playing hard? That was at least a positive sign in from that regards. What'd you think of the Joe Alt packages? I mean, it's 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 fine. You know, it's a nice little change up. It's 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 nice, especially again, like Tyler Buckner against Toledo when they haven't seen it on film. It's going to have some success, but. You know, here's the issue with it, right? And it sounds good, and Joe did a nice job, and he blocked well, had a really nice block on the touchdown run, but here's the problem. You're not you're not throwing a route to him, at least not one that's going to scare anybody. So now <laughs> when you run that in a normal situation, the defense says, okay, well, that's one less guy we have to worry about covering. And then you've got to keep, you know, your other tight ends in to protect the quarterback. And now all of a sudden, against Purdue, you're running some two- and three-man pass, pass routes, and they're dropping five guys in the coverage, and guess what? Your receivers aren't getting open anymore. So it's fine as a nice little change-up, but it can't be a base package because that means now you've only got potentially at most four weapons uh, to, to attack them in the pass game with. And, and right now that's the best part of your game. And that's the problem with the offensive line, Sean, is if you have to start doing things like this because you, you, you can't get movement otherwise, then you're, you're making yourself a less effective offense. At the end of the day, if this offense is going to reach its potential and right now it's not anywhere close, it's going to be about figuring out which are your five best guys and then coaching them up in a way where they're playing good football. Because when you've got a fifth-year senior and a six-year senior, who, in my opinion, I'm talking Josh Lug and Kane Madden, they were Notre Dame's two worst linemen on Saturday. Not the redshirt freshman at left tackle, not the redshirt sophomore at left guard. It was your sixth-year senior preseason All-American right guard and your fifth-year senior right tackle who's got multiple, has a full season's worth of starts under his belt now. Yeah. That's not a youth problem. That's a you're not coaching these guys up to play fundamentally sound football. That's not on them, in my opinion. All right. Sounds good. Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. Great stuff as always. I will talk to you Wednesday.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.